0: Hi, I'm Jared Ball, Chief Economist at CEDA, and welcome to CEDA's Policy Snacks Podcast, a series of bite-sized explainers about today's big policy ideas and issues. Today we're looking at the rising rate of female imprisonment in Australia and what can be done to reduce it. The number of women in Australia's prisons has been growing at a faster rate than that of men over the past decade. And while women account for a smaller proportion of the country's prison population, the fiscal, social, and economic costs of female imprisonment are significant. To discuss this, I'm joined by CEDA researcher and economist Ember Corpus. She's our lead researcher in the area of justice. So, Ember, thanks for joining the Policy Snacks podcast. Um, starting at the top, what can you tell us about women's imprisonment in Australia? What are the, what are the numbers showing us in this area?
1: Well, thanks for having me, Jared. And Um, I just wanted to say there are so many overlapping layers to the issue of women's imprisonment in Australia. If we look at the numbers, we'll see that despite the smaller proportion, women's prisoner numbers are increasing much faster than that of men. In fact, 64% over the last decade compared with 45% for men. At the end of last year, the Australian Bureau of Statistics reported that there were just over 3,000 women in custody, compared again with nearly 38,000 for men. The Australian Law Reform Commission also reveals that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women are 21 times more likely to be in prison than non-Indigenous women. That is a very big number. At CEDA, we've really identified that justice is a critical institution underpinning economic and social development. Nationally, in fact, the cost of prisons was up to $3.5 billion in 2019, and it was estimated that it cost us $310 per prisoner per day.
0: Well, those are some really staggering figures, I think, Ember, but what's behind the rising rate of women's imprisonment, and, and how much do we know what is driving it and why we are concerned particularly about women? Uh, even though they are a much smaller proportion of the prison population.
1: Well, when women come into contact with the criminal justice system, they generally do so for low-level offences, in particular drug-related offences. I know I mentioned this to you earlier, Jared, but the factors that drive women into custody is complex. It's intersected and entangled. These include experiences of victimisation, including domestic abuse resulting to poverty, homelessness, isolation, and mental health issues. Many of these women are already disadvantaged with intergenerational trauma. They sometimes have been in state care or the justice system at a much earlier age, and some of them experience more significant police monitoring for low-risk offending. Let's imagine a mother who has fled an abusive home. Most likely, she's employed part-time or casually. That's if she's lucky to have employment. She might not be able to afford housing on her own and doesn't want to be separated from her children. So, these conditions really make her very vulnerable to crime, whether it's stealing or property offenses or even drug related offenses. Having said that, several systemic drivers also influence the rising rate of women in custody, such as over policing, minor offenses relating to illicit drugs but also restrictions from bail laws and toughened sentencing laws. A gendered lens is critical in understanding the importance of this problem, Jared, because a great majority of primary carers are still women. For such low-level offenses, the cost and impacts are far-reaching, and it's particularly acute for this cohort. The removal of children is particularly distressing, and the entrenching trauma— and severing of existing supports make women more vulnerable to reoffending. Keeping them in custody for relatively minor offenses, it, it just keeps them cycling through that criminal justice system.
0: So, Ember, as as we always do here at CEDA when we face these sort of really challenging, complex problems, we challenge ourselves to come up with solutions. So it what can be done? here to reduce women's incarceration rates in Australia, do you think?
1: Well, that really is the challenge, um, Jared. I think The complexity has led to, you know, lots of groups of um, research institutes, um, private sector and and government departments really finding out what are the most effective ways. And um, one of the very notable success stories uh, that we found is the Justice Reinvestment Project in Burke in New South Wales. Their approach was different. They they were in active partnership with the community, which enabled the provision of appropriate and preventive support, identifying what the risk factors were and ensuring that support was already there and try to avoid them coming into prison. As a result, 14% reduction in bail breaches were found and a 42% reduction in days spent in custody was also reported. Um, another way that people have found that could um, reduce the rate that women came into contact with the criminal justice system was to use legislation. Um, last year, Western Australia passed a law that prevents sentencing fine defaulters to prison, except as a last resort. This change was largely instigated by the case of a Yamatji woman, Miss Ju. Who was sentenced to prison for about $3,000 in unpaid fines and died in custody in 2014. I know um, throughout Australia, but even internationally, other alternatives to prison sentences can include community based sentences and greater discretion for parole boards. In consideration of the complexities surrounding the increasing rates of women's incarceration, we have to find ways to progress change. Sustainable change will require political will and commitment from governments.
0: Well, that's a really good point around political will and commitment. Clearly, there's some ideas out there for how we could solve this problem. Um, so what is preventing us from fixing the problem? And, and is, it, is it that political will and commitment that we're missing?
1: I think that's a, a really crucial element. It's it's tricky to fix a system that comprises different jurisdictions, you know, several states and territories. Imprisonment um, should also not be an alternative for adequate social support. Like we've been talking about this um, specific group of women who aren't really dangerous criminals, but in fact are sometimes victims of abuse. You know, we still need to get some of the fundamentals right, like Um, reducing homelessness, increasing public housing. Um, We found that six in 10 specialist homelessness services clients in 2020, that was only last year, were women, and over 119,000 of them reported to have experienced domestic abuse during this period. It looks like better employment and mental health support are really crucial in solving this problem more importantly as well i guess for prolonged change we need effective collaboration between government social services private sector not-for-profits and research institutes they're necessary for progress because there's so much important work that's being done across the board don't you think jared
0: yeah i think that's i think that's right i think collaboration is a big is a big part of it, um, so that's, um, that's a really important point. Thanks, Ember, for your time. That's Ember Korpaz. She's a researcher and economist at CEDA, and I'm CEDA's Chief Economist, Jared Ball. Thanks for listening.